What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Base Life Podcast. So this one's a little different in that um, I'm actually being interviewed by Katya Safart for the uh, Mental Power Podcast. So I guess you get to hear me talk a little bit more than usual, maybe, uh, because I'm not asking as many questions. But um, one, one note in during the conversation, I get a few names mixed up. Um, it, in fact, during the uh, Madeira base jumping event was organized by JP DeCam and uh, Andrew Toyer is one of the guys that pulls me out of the water. But Andrew also organizes his own base event in uh, in uh, the Netherlands. So you can see how I might maybe have gotten that mixed up. I, I mean, I can barely get it straight right now. I'm trying to explain it. So anyways... I just wanted to make that one clarification um, up front and enjoy the show, I guess. <laughs> Three, two, one, see ya. You're listening to Peace Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Brian. Nice to see you here in the Mental Power Podcast. I'm very happy you're here. Hey, Katja. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, maybe we should have gotten Brian to it too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually linking up with uh, Brian uh, after this. Yeah. But, uh... Well, maybe uh, I can have a chat with Brian um, on another day. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he likes when the gun's turned on him so much as he likes... Uh, asking questions but you never know <laughs> yeah let's find out <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners yeah sure uh, my name is randy stamper i'm a skydiver base jumper um living in living in germany and uh prior to COVID, i spent most of my weekends in switzerland jumping off mountains it's uh changed a little bit in the last couple of years but uh know things are looking better and hopefully we'll get back to that in the in the near future i think that that's me (laughs) yeah Yeah, but you have left out something really important you're also the co-founding member of the valley base gear fun athletes yeah that's right and also the co-host of the base life podcast (laughs) thank you yeah i I, uh forget about those kind of things like i'm not a a, i'm not a title person so uh (laughs) so yeah but uh but yep i Part of those things. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> um, Randy, how did you get started with the Valley Base Gear Fun Athletes? Um, what, uh, how, who got the idea and uh, how did you get started? Yeah, uh, so, so the Fun Fleet started, uh, really, really came out of a lot of sadness because we, we, uh, we lost Dan Vickery, uh, who helped start Valley Base Gear with, with Lisa Hutchins, uh, back, yeah, I want to say like 2012, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I'm really bad with dates, but, um, you know, we, Lisa was thinking about closing the shop in, in Lauterbrunn and, and, uh, and we, we had all been hanging out pretty regularly and I was like, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. Um, so I took one of Dan's rigs, uh, base rigs, cause I was getting ready to go to Spain for a base jumping competition. And then I was going up to Norway for heli boogie. Um, and then Luke, uh, Lucius was going somewhere and then Aaron was headed somewhere. So we, we, we just started like taking one of Dan's rigs and just passing it around as we were traveling, um, 
and taking pictures with it so that Lisa would have content for, um, you know, for social media and, um, Instagram and stuff. And then it just, we kind of were like, wait, why are we all just passing this one rig around? We could just like get our own rigs with, with, you know, um, you know, VPG on the logo and, and, uh, and the, another thing going on at the time, there were a lot of athlete pages being made and, and that, that was sort of a, a stage, I think, in the in the sport um, as it was developing. And um, we were like, none of us were super athletic, so to speak. I mean, uh, you have to be in a, a decent amount of shape, you know, to hike these mountains. But um, but we put more emphasis on having fun than being athletes. And so that's we, we fun fleets just was sort of a, a moniker. Um and, uh, so it's it just, uh, uh, that's, that's sort of how it came about is that we were just kind of having, having fun and then, and, uh, and just helping, helping, uh, Lisa out. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really cool. I really like the fun, fun athlete, uh, name. That's really, really cool. <laughs> and, um, maybe some listeners, uh, don't know you yet. Uh, would you like to explain what you guys do together? What's the idea behind it? Yeah. Uh, it was really just having fun and jumping off things. Um, you won't normally find us on the first load in the morning. Um, you know, it's usually, uh, uh, that's, you save that for the hungry, hungry jumpers that, uh, that go to bed early and then get up early and do that first jump. Uh, we're, we're, we'll see you around 10, nine or 10, you know, for that, for that second load. Um, but yeah, we, we, we were basically headquartered out of, uh, the Horner pub in Lauterbrunnen. And uh, on weekends, uh, when it, we'd go down to like, um, you know, Brento or somewhere for a long weekend, or, um, if there was a fun event, um, you know, we'd make a point to go try and try and get there. If, uh, so we're just, we're just having fun. That's really all it is. It's not like, uh, some, something exclusive, like, <laughs> but yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And during summertime, uh, you can be met in Lauterbrunnen, you know, if you're lucky, uh, people can meet you on the way to the gondola. Yeah. <laughs> Jump with you. Yeah. yeah. When that's where the most fun happens for me anyways, is either like at the end of the day, like talking about the jumps or, uh, on those hikes. Um, cause you know, there, there's some pretty, um, I, I consider them pretty standard jumps in Lauterbrunnen, but they're also, they're pretty epic if you're, if you're just visiting, um, and, uh, and you, you'll bump into all sorts of people on the way, you know, going various speeds. So if, if you're a slower hiker, you're more likely to bump into me, or if you're a fast hiker and you start after me, you might catch me, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's where a lot of the fun for me is, is, is the, those moments, uh, you know, before and after the jump. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's sharing the special times and, you know, talking about the jumps and other stuff too, of course. Uh, yeah, very relaxed. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, you are also, as I, you know, as you said, or I said, uh, you're also the co-host of the Base Life podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, let us know more about the podcast. How did you get the idea? How did you start it? And yeah. What? Yeah. So, so, uh, so Brian actually turned me on to podcasts, uh, and I think it was like 2014. We, I first came over here in 2012 and then, um, got here full time in 13 full time ish. Um, and, uh, we were spending every weekend driving to Switzerland. And so we're looking at four and a half, five hours in the car, every weekend, um, 
one direction. And then, uh, and, and it, it dawned on us, you know, it's like, this is, this is a lot of time. Like we, like we could be doing something productive with this time, like learning or improving ourselves a little bit maybe. Um, and so he, he found like, I think it was like the Joe Rogan podcast was like the first one he, uh, or the Joe Rogan experience. Um, it's the first one he was like, Hey, check this out. You know, this guy is you like, you like the ultimate fighting championship. So, uh, check this out. And, and it was, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I, I feel like Joe has become like the, the Oprah for dudes. Um, but he's, he has a lot of interesting guests on, but, uh, anyways, so the listening to a few podcasts to and from, uh, the Valley and then all of the fun evenings, you know, sitting out in front of the Horner, just talking to people, uh, hearing some, some, uh, Fun, funny stories usually, or interesting stories that are usually a little bit inflated by maybe some alcohol uh, that just make it, you know, and, you know, I was usually drinking, so it was um, maybe the stories were a little funnier. I, I don't know, but either way, I was like, why, why are we not recording this? Like, this is, this, this is interesting stuff. I think it's, it's some of the, some of the funnest times I've had. So uh, uh, that's sort of where the, uh, the idea for the podcast came from. Mm-hmm. It was just from, you know, it was a combination of me and Brian just spending a lot of time in the car listening to them and then spending a lot of time just talking to interesting people and, and everybody that jumps or not everybody, but many interesting people pass through Louderburn, right? And because it's such a great place to jump, but then it's not just jumping. There's, there's skiing, there's mountaineering, there, you name it. So there's a lot of interesting people that, that pass through. And so, um, a, uh, it, it's a, it's a great place if you want to meet adventurous people outdoorsy type people so as much time as we spent there we figured it'd be a we had great uh content you know that was we never knew half the time we never knew who we were going to talk to we'd just be like hey you want to you want to record <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that's true actually um i was thinking about that too um there are so many interesting stories and uh discussions maybe and i think a lot of people would be very interested to hear that for us it's so normal that we think uh it's not of interest but um when i talk to people and they're very curious about base jumping and they keep asking um i'm i'm sure they would love to hear more about that yeah yeah that is so cool maybe um some of my listeners don't really know um, your base life podcast. So this is now your advertisement time. Cool. <laughs> All right. Let them know what is the podcast. Uh, tell them more about it. Who was there, who, who attended and yeah, give more information if you want. Uh, yeah. So, so me and Brian are the, the main uh, hosts of the, the podcast. We, we just, we talked to skydivers, base jumpers, interesting people uh, that, that we meet along the way. Uh, and it's really just about uh, trying to pull those things out of people that um, that, that we find unique or the, the other listeners might find interesting. Um, usually there's something adventurous uh, about that person um, that, that uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm always trying to find little, little tricks and little habits to uh, improve my life. And I, I feel like the more people I talk to, um, the more likely I'm, I am to, to find those things. So you, so you might get something interesting out of that. You might learn a little bit about base jumping. Um, I, I think it's, it's great for non jumpers to hear a sort of the perspective because, um, everyone, um, I, you, you get that sort of idea that it's all about like Red Bull and Mountain Dew and extreme sports and adrenaline junkies. And, 
And it's, it's really not when you, when you break it down and you start peeling back the layers of the sport, it's, it's very scientific and it's a, a, a little, little mistakes can have big impacts. Um, so it's uh, it, it becomes, it's more of a science for me. And, and the more people I talk to and the more I learn from them, the more likely I am to live maybe. And then also if someone hears a story that, that um, gets them thinking about something that they hadn't considered, then maybe, maybe they're more likely to live. I mean, those, those are, you can't really measure that, but you know, it's, it's just sort of like a, you put some good stuff out there and then maybe some good things will come from it, I guess is sort of uh, the idea. Yeah, it's, really it's all in English. So sorry to some of your listeners. <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, some um, of them uh, are used to English, you know, yeah. some not. Um, I think it's really important what you do um, because there are so many things. We cannot know everything. And of course, it's so important to um, talk a lot of other jumpers to see their um, perspective. Maybe they do things differently and it's always good to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think uh, that's, that's very important because you cannot know everything. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I've made a lot of mistakes in base jumping and I'm, and I, I don't celebrate the mistakes, but I, I certainly share them. I don't, I don't try and hide them. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, if, if, if I make this mistake and I've been, I've been a skydiver for almost 20 years now and a base jumper for over 10, if, if, as long as you don't count time off from injuries, because I've had a lot of injuries, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I share those those stories because if, if I can do it, then someone else can do it. I'm a pretty average person, so um, it, it's one of those things where um, I, I, I try and put that out there in, in a way that's like I'm not celebrating the accident or like oh, oh look at me, but hey, you might be able to learn from this. You know, um, uh, we did a, a, a water. So water landing podcast or water considerations. So I forget which one it was, but um, it's, it's, it's very clearly marked water or something or other on the, on the um, podcast. But um, I had some guys reach out to me that were on their way to Norway and they were like, Hey, we had never thought about that. You know, like not jumping with uh, you know, a three ring system that has a cutaway so that, you know, um, that our, so our parachute doesn't take us under or um, you know, like vents on wing suits. Cause I, I've, I've had one, two, three, Two for sure, uh, unintentional. All of my water landings are unintentional. It doesn't matter how many there are. I never, never, never intended to land in the water when I did. Um, also, didn't do it for my my uh, USPA, but that's a whole other story. Um, and uh, well, wingsuits, you know, they they have these little air valves in them, right? Well, what they don't have on the other end is release valves, and so when those fill with air, it's all cool. But when they fill with water, it's not. And uh, you know, so I, I, um, I had a moment in Madeira, Portugal, where it was, and it wasn't that long after Rami, um, Rami, Rami and Katie yeah. drowned. Yeah. I was just thinking about him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and he was the, my first thought when the first wave smacked me and dragged me back underwater. And all I could see was like, uh, I could see like lines and fabric in my hands and that's all I could see. And I was like, Oh man, Rami would be so pissed right now. Like if it, you know, cause it's like, you, you know, we could all die. Right. But if I'm, if I'm going to die in the sport, I at least hope that other people, uh, learn from that mistake and then don't do it themselves. And then Rami's situation was slightly different, um, than, than mine, but, but still to, to drown, I was just, I, he was my first thought, you know, like between like, Oh, I hope I get more oxygen. Um, <laughs> was, Rami would be pissed, <laughs> but luckily I had like seven friends on the beach and they, uh, 
they eventually uh, dragged me out. Um, uh, I, had to cut, I had to cut the canopy, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Renny, that's a very important subject. I would like to dive in deeper um, in, into that subject. Uh, would you like to describe what happened and why it happened? Uh, on that one? On the, yeah, with the, uh, yeah, on the Madeira one. Yeah, sure. Um, we were, it was a, a base jumping event um, uh, organized by Andrew Toyer. Awesome event. It was Andrew, wasn't it? You know, he did the one in, oh shoot, we might have to edit that. Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, who invited me to? Someone, invited me to, someone. Um, but uh, yeah, Madeira, Portugal. We didn't even know where Madeira was when we accepted the invitation. We were like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, this sounds awesome. Uh and uh, it, it lined up with a with an with an American holiday, so we was like, we have the days off. Let's go. Um, it was about a a little bit over. There were a bunch of jumps around the island, um, and then, but none of them were crazy high. Like they were like thousand feet, you know, like maybe fifteen hundred feet, all near the all near the water. Um, I had two rigs one one was a three ring and the other one was a integrated harness and um i just never thought about like well what if i need to cut this thing away um i oh on this jump it was um we were jumping off of like an elevator tower thing that would like take you down to the beach from this this high peak um and then uh we I, I flew too far to begin with, um, uh, wingsuit jump. Um, and it was a little, it was a little bit positive. So I was glad I had the wingsuit cause I, I watched a lot of guys kind of open, like really close to the, uh, um, to the, to the wall. And well, that's, that's something else I should say about Madeira. Every jump is, I mean, every page jump is trying to kill you. If you, if you don't do certain things, it will kill you. However, every jump in Madeira is kind of heads up. There's, there are no easy jumps. Uh, and, so I flew too far. There was a little bit of wind. I had nasty line twists. And instead of addressing the direction, this is, this is a takeaway for two of my big accidents. Uh, instead of addressing the direction I was flying, I addressed the twists. So by the time I got my parachute untwisted and turned back toward land, I couldn't, I was not making it to land. I was too low. And, um, um, I, so I landed behind the crest of the waves oh. and everything was cool for a minute or two. And I just, um, uh, made it like toward land. I was mostly buoyant cause my, my suit was still full of air and, you know, water hadn't, hadn't started filling, taking, replacing the air too much. And I got to where I could stand and I was like pulling the, the parachute in. And then I just hear the guys yelling at me like, look, look, look. And I look over my shoulder to the right and just get smashed with a wave. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, I lose the parachute, like what, what was in my hand and it goes toward the shore. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And I like, just stand back up. And as I'm standing back up, the parachute is getting pulled back into the ocean by the waves. And then it starts pulling me in and then it starts dumping me on, you know, dumping on top of me. And so pretty quickly I'm like, you know, forget this thing. Like I, I've got to cut it. Um, so I had a, I had a hook knife on the outside of my wingsuit. Um, I grab it, I cut the right side and I was, I was particular to cut the lines and not cut the harness because once you cut the harness, you ruin the entire thing. And so even though I'm in a ton of danger, I'm still like, Oh, you know, care for your equipment. Wrong answer. Uh, in fact, uh, um, Matt Gertis told me later on, like if you had cut the harness, we would have sent you a brand new one for free. So, 
I think I'm allowed to share that. I think he would, he would want people to know that. Um, so cut the harness so that it, it, yeah, it might, it might end your trip, you know, if you can't borrow a rig from somebody, but it's not going to end your life or potentially, uh, because I, I missed one line on each side of, uh, the, um, the risers. And, um, that was one line on each side was just enough for the parachute to stay inflated with water and pull me back out. And so like, uh, I think, couple dudes ruined their phones and it was it was like everybody was like yep it's time to time to save randy <laughs> so wow. uh but but it took a lot of people had it had i been like the first jumper and uh uh there was no one on the beach i, I wouldn't i wouldn't have laughed. i mean it was the entire uh episode lasted about seven minutes from from jump to you know like spitting up water on the beach and uh uh it it felt like an eternity. So it was one of those. Um, and the, the other unfortunate thing. Oh, so I had a, I had a GoPro on uh chest mount. So the GoPro, you know, I had a harness, uh, GoPro harness underneath my base rig going through the, the, the pocket zippers on my, uh, 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 belly pocket on my, on my wingsuit. And, uh, so that, that, that was keeping me like that, that GoPro harness was keeping me, um, it was anchoring the entire suit to my body. So I couldn't just like shimmy out of the, uh, of the suit. So, uh, another consideration, you know, uh, if you're going to jump in your water, maybe don't have something anchoring your suit to you. Cause otherwise, you know, I could have unzipped and just like shirked everything off of me and, and, and then just been like, bye-bye wingsuit, bye-bye parachute, <laughs> go into the ocean. <laughs> but Wow. But how did, how did they get you out? How, how did, how was the whole process? Yeah. Well, luckily finally somebody grabbed the tail of the pocket. Um, also something that you learn when you do water training, um, (laughs) that I didn't do, uh, you you grab the tail of the pocket and it, so it, it, it basically all of the valves, all of the openings are facing away. And so that water will, will come out. Um, so, uh, so somebody grabbed the tail of the pocket or the tail pocket of the parachute. Uh, several people grabbed me, a few other people grabbed parts of the parachute and they just started dragging me out of the, uh, out, of, out of the water. So, but certainly, oh, oh, a few people, they, they drink for free whenever we're around. <laughs> oh, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You yeah. were lucky really. Mm. Yeah. Well, since since you talk about this close call, um, I know you had three uh, close calls. Maybe um, you know, since we are in the subject, yeah. would you like to talk about the other ones? Yeah, sure. One thing I'll say about those is you know, and because uh, a lot of people will be say, uh, "Oh, at least he died doing what he loved," and I'm like, "Well, that's easy to say, you know, in retrospect, you know, as, as to fill the space with something that hopefully will make the other person that's hurting feel better. You know, like when you're, when you have to deal with someone, it's like, eh, I, I disagree with that statement because I've, I've, I've been real close a few times and I was scared to death every time. Like it was not, it was not a pleasant, uh, experience. So, um, so saying they, at least they died doing what they loved is it's like, mm, well, no, it's still scary, but uh, yeah, so I had a, I had a nice little pilot shoot in tow, uh, jumping via Ferrata. Um, uh, this was one of my early wingsuit jumps. I was in a, a I think it was the blade two that Lucius let me borrow. Mm-hmm. It was an old wingsuit. It flew like a, flew like a bus, um, 
of course, I also wasn't flying it very well. It's like you can't really blame a suit. That's another thing. Sorry, a tangent here. You can't blame a suit for bad flying. Like the suit is only going to do what you tell it to do. So if you're a good flyer and you really know the the ins and outs of your suit, it's gonna you can you can push it to its max. But if you're not a good flyer, don't blame don't blame the equipment for for your faults. All right. So that being said, pilot shoot in tow. Uh, I was I was not flying well and um, kind of flat, and I threw I pitched really weak. And the pilot chute just kind of like flopped around behind me. And uh, I had a very specific with that suit. It was like, I knew it was like reach 1000, throw 1000, bump 1000, open 1000. That was sort of the metric. That's how I knew it was going to, how things should go if it was going correctly. And uh, I did the reach 1000, throw 1000, nothing 1000, what the fuck 1000, you know? So, uh, so at that point, uh, you know, I'm flying right toward a barn, uh, you know, the barn in uh, Steckelberg, um, you know, in the, in the Via Ferrata la- or the landing area, yeah. you know, below uh, high ultimate and uh, the, the barn's getting bigger. I'm like, this isn't good. This is, uh, this is what dying feels like. Huh? I mean, it was, it, it was, it was terrifying and uh, like tranquil at the same time. Uh, but I was like, Oh, not today, you know? And so I, I reached back and like, I have to move my mic here. I, I like bent forward and tried to like manually extract my, my pins, uh, and just like rip some, if I was like, I can get some, if I can get some fabric out, I'm, I have a chance of living. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if I, I don't know, I was just like, but, but all I really did was by, by like tipping forward and trying to, to put my hand between my shoulder blades and just rip. Um, I got the pilot shoot out of the, out of my wake, out of my little burble space. And it, it just, it opened. Um, I had time to like unzip my arms, like hook a 180, and then just like kind of swoop the landing, um, you know, away from the barn. And uh, yeah, uh, JMO was on the ground and he looks at me and just goes, huh, pilot shoot and tow. And I was just, just like smash my head like god why did i have to mess up in front of jmo god you know like another guy i look up to i was like why do i have to <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah so uh i made i made brian drive home and i i just uh i may have had a few beers on that ride home just to accept <laughs> to come to terms with what just happened <laughs> yes but. yes i think so yeah um, Randy, um, you said it before, you know, it's, it's not fun if you have such uh, scary moments. And uh, since we are in the Mental Power podcast, I would like to put some light on the moment when you realize, oh, fuck, uh, what's, what's going on in your mind, in your body? Can you explain that? Um. So you're, you're probably pretty familiar with, you know, like uh, being in the zone or being in the flow state. Um, that's, that's your best friend in moments like that is like, if, if you, um, you can focus on your breathing and you can, uh, um, do what needs to be done. Like time just kind of like slows down for a second and everything becomes very clear. Um, there's a, it's, I, I don't know how you achieve that. It just sort of happens. Right. I mean, um, I'm sure there are ways to kind of, um, or maybe you can tell me if there are ways to like, uh, help get to that state. But, but when, when the, the, oh shit moment happens, uh, usually that's when things become very clear for me and I understand exactly what needs to happen. And, um, so far, so, you know, but, um, <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. Well, uh, I had a girlfriend, I don't want to put out names here, and she had a um, local fine. And uh, she said everything became really calm. And it was like um, extending, the time was extending. And uh, she knew what to do. She didn't have to think because, you know, the, the reflexes were trained and you know right away what's going on and you have options, you know, and mm. you just react on the, on the options you still have in that moment. Was you said that, she had a no-pull find. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, find. Can, can you explain that? Or maybe so, um, not? Uh, she, she, uh, she grabbed uh, the pilot chute. She, she tried to grab the pilot chute, but couldn't find the pilot chute. So oh. she had to go back into flight again and grab again. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that would ha- what happened to her. Wow. Yeah. Was was she low when at pull time or? Well, she wasn't too low, but she was low, and uh-huh. uh, it was really really scary. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 That's Glad you found uh, it. <laughs> why you, that's why you should never pull too low. So right. if something happens, um, that you still have some margin mm-hmm. of air in between you and uh, the bottom line um, to yeah to do something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How was that with you um, in that moment? Did you um, you know you realized it and uh, did you know what to do right away? You didn't have to think, right? No, I mean, uh, I'm not even sure what I did was was actually ac- correct in that moment. Um, I mean, well, I, I should have pitched harder. Like, I, it was a lazy throw on, for my pilot shoot. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, like diving to get out of uh, to get the pilot shoot out of my burble. Uh, you know, ultimately that was the right thing, but but I, that wasn't actually what I was thinking. You know, I was thinking, you know, rip these pins off my back. Um, but it still achieved the result I was looking for, you know, not dying. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Really radical. I would say, <laughs> yeah. um, well, that th- this were um, two really scary moments. How did you find the strength uh, to keep on going with the sport and to keep up uh, the fun in the sport? Because a lot of people, uh, they would stop, you know, they would sure. not go again. So and what was the motivation and the drive and the trust uh, in yourself to, to keep doing it? Yeah, what I'd say base jumpers that quit base jumping are some of the smartest people I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, in that, um, I, I have a tendency to make light of everything that I do. That's scary. Like I laugh about it, make jokes. It's a, it's a defense mechanism. Who are we kidding? But, um, um, talking to other people about it. And then it, it's always, for me, it's always the people that, that keep me coming back to the sport. Um, it's, uh, uh, I, and I, and they're not all base jumpers, but they're people that I've met through jumping and, and I've, I've been so fortunate in that regard to make some of the, the closest friends I have through jumping. And even with this, the, this last injury, I mean, I've, I was, I've been away for two and a half years now from since my last actual jump. Um, but I still, you know, when, when we could cross, cross into Switzerland, uh, you know, we, we'd still go, go hang out, um, you know, and, and so it's always, for me, it was always about the people. Um, and it, it became more about the people than the jumps uh, a long time ago. I'm not exactly sure when I turned that corner, but, um, yeah, so I don't, and, and like I said, a lot of those people aren't even jumpers. They're just people that I was just fortunate to meet because of it. So, um, 
uh, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I, I, I plan to retire, you know, if I, if I don't, if the ground doesn't hit me too hard first, I, I plan to retire at some point. I, I don't know when that is. I don't know, uh, um, or I might just end up, you know, mostly skydiving and then doing base trips, you know, uh, we'll see what it looks like, but, um, but yeah, I don't, you know, I think there's only, there's only two ways to quit base jumping, right. Or to stop base jumping. It's either to quit or to die. Uh, so, um, but I don't think you have to truly quit to just enjoy it occasionally and safely, as long as you stay inside certain margins, because that's something I'm concerned about now is because I, it, as you know, it, it's a lot of work to get to some of the higher levels of wingsuit flying. And I wasn't even at what I would consider the highest level, but, um, but to do the things that we do takes a lot of time and effort and practice and, you know, going on it we hope fingers crossed into the month uh we'll be able to do some skydiving and i can knock the knock the dust off but but you don't just go back to that from you know from square you know from where i'm at it's like i know all the right things to do but you don't just go straight to you know like high ultimate or via frada in a wingsuit after two and a half years off you know so how do you um uh i mean and there's the you know even the mental aspect of it of of preparing yourself for those things. And, and cause you get to a certain, you get used to the adrenaline and you get used to uh, calming your mind. And like, I haven't been exposed to that in a while. So there's, there's a lot going on in, in my head um, yeah. in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. Your nervous system. No? If you keep jumping on a regular basis, your nervous system is trained and uh, the, re the reactions are there. You play everything through in your mind. So you do the visualization. And uh, this is training, too, because the mind uh, functions uh, with pictures. Yeah. And if, if you keep doing it in your mind all the time, you know, you you train the whole system. But um I, I also think, you know, when you start jumping again, um, of course, you have to do some mental work, some physical work, of course. But I think I'm pretty sure once you have done one or two jumps, it feels like, all right, it was like yesterday. When I you hope started. you're right. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Can't wait to find out. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But but I'm ready to put the work in. I don't know. I don't care how much work it takes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm ready to put it back in. I had planned it was like um literally not even out of the hospital yet from the the last tib fib and uh i was already sort of mapping what my uh, uh return to base was going to look like um and then over time i've started to be like uh do i really want a wingsuit base i'm just not sure i want to put in all that effort again like all that energy and i certainly don't want to die and if you don't want to die then you have to put in that energy but if you don't want to put in that energy then maybe you shouldn't do it you know those are the this sort of the, the thought process uh, mm. you know, going through my head. Uh, as I, Would you like to share more about um, how you're going to plan coming back uh, into that sport uh, on, on the mental aspect, but also on the physical side? Sure. Um, so I, as soon as I was able to walk and, and like, I've, I've been exercising. Um, I mean, I, I guess I, Or Randy, sorry, but maybe maybe you can let them know what the uh, um, the accident was. Uh, oh yeah, sure, the sure. Because the most well, I mean, I've I've had a lot of injuries. Um, <laughs> if we want to talk just the base injuries, base or jumping specific injuries, I've broken my left uh, tib fib twice. 
The second one was much more, um, uh, it was much worse because there was metal in my left ankle from the first accident. Uh, and when I hit the ground, it like exploded my leg basically. Um, and so, uh, they, uh, they, they actually, when the doc came in, he was like, yep, yeah, we're, uh, you know, I'm going to look at these x-rays, we'll get you x-rays and then we'll, we'll talk about your options. And I'm like, what do you mean options? I mean, surgery is the only option, but, but no, I, he was, he was basically saying that amputation was on the table. Um, so, but luckily I got to keep my foot. Um, so that was, but, uh, so tib fib twice, I ruptured my right tricep falling out of a wind tunnel. Um, that put me out for, I don't know, six or eight weeks. And then, uh, I broke my T12, didn't even know it until I, uh, was getting so, so on this last tib fib, they did an entire CT scan of my body. Cause like I, the way I hit the ground, it was like, um, my, my feet hit first, thankfully. And then, um, I, like I, I kind of PLF, but then my knee went directly into my eye. So I had a nice black eye and they were like, well, we're going to scan your entire body just to make sure you don't have any like brain trauma or anything. Um, uh, little do they know I have plenty of brain trauma, but, <laughs> uh, anyways, they, uh, uh, so scan the entire body and they're like, Hey, we, we noticed something's wrong in, in your T12, but there's no fluid in there. So we don't think it's from this accident. And I was like, Oh, I know exactly which landing that was, but it was a, uh, it was maybe a not permissive jump. And I may have had an employer at the time that didn't want me jumping or hadn't approved it yet. And, uh, uh, not who I work for now, but, uh, they, uh, uh I just didn't want to, uh, I, so I, I thought I just like cracked my a rib or something. So I just didn't do anything for a few weeks. Just, just laid low. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a vertical break of my T12, but, um, anyway, so with this last injury, the, uh, the, I guess the, the recovery plan. So I, I love jumping rope. I, I, I used to joke that I only exercise for two reasons. It's, uh, to survive traumatic accidents and to look better naked. Um, and, and now it's mostly just to survive traumatic accidents. Uh, so the better shape you're in, the more likely you are to live if the ground hits you, uh, really hard. So, um, so once I got, I started doing yoga a lot um, to help with the range of motion in my ankle. Um, and then once I got to where I could do some impact, um, I, I tried running, but running just still really aggravates my, my ankles. So I, um, I have a jump rope routine that I do like five days a week. Um, and, uh, I ride, a um, I have a, it's like a cyclocross, like gravel bike. Uh, that's great for this area. I can take it off road or I can ride on the streets. Um, I, typically ride on the weekends to get, get a little, just, and I just try and live an active lifestyle, um, with not too much impact. Um, but the thing I love about jumping rope is that if, if you think about the body position for wingsuiting, it's very similar to jumping rope and it incorporates a lot of those same muscles. Cause you, like when you fly a wingsuit, you know, you want to keep your core tight, you want to point your toes and you want, and there's that whole like pushing off the mountain or off the object thing you know, jumping rope helps with that too. Um, so who knows, maybe we should start like, a, a a jump rope program for base jumpers or for wingsuiters, but um. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, but sorry, did I, did I answer your question on, it, was, it had to do with like recovery and, and, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Fitness. We came from one question uh, to the injuries because people didn't know what the injury were. Okay. And the the, um, the first question was, uh, when you plan getting back into the sport, how how's your plan mentally wise? How do you prepare mentally yeah. wise and also physical wise? Okay, so. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for getting me back on track there. Uh, um, visualization is, is a big part of that. Uh, I have a, I have a little, um, uh, meditation app called Headspace. I think it's, it's pretty popular out there these days, but I, I use it every morning. Um, and then just, uh, I find myself daydreaming about, about base, uh, and skydiving. And then, um, I'll even, I'll even dream about it. That's, that's, um, uh, uh you know, it is what it is when you, when it's something you love, like it's, it, it, it creeps into your brain at all sorts of times. So I, and when it's the scary moments, I try and like really focus on those, like, uh, and, and just embrace the, embrace those feelings. Um, but yeah, I think visualization is, is a big part of it and, um, focusing on breathing while you do that. Mm. Um, so sorry, get a little hippy dippy on you, but, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah okay so uh you do that and physical wise so what what's your plan there yeah uh so i think i'm, I'm about as recovered as, as i'm gonna get uh the i still have some some um, nerve damage like tingly feelings in my in my feet um and i have to stretch every morning uh just for for the range of motion and some of the the achy, you know, feelings. Um, it's a lot better, uh, than, than it was, but I, at this point I've accepted that if this is as good as it gets, it's good enough. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I'm going to continue doing that once I can, uh, once I can get in an airplane, you know, given the COVID situation, I feel like being crammed in a plane with a bunch of other people isn't a great idea. Um, you know, so like wind tunnel has been on my mind. I, I love tunnel flying. Um, it's just to like, to get that feeling, but it's just not like tunnel flying is just not the same as actually jumping out of an airplane. Um, you know, so it, it's especially with, with like the visuals and I mean, tunnel flying can be dangerous, especially when you throw me in there. But, um, the, uh, uh, if you're sharing the tunnel with me anyways, but, uh, but, but with skydiving, it's just, different you know like um uh, and especially because you have to fly the canopy and, and it's usually the canopy flying that gets people hurt um or lack of good canopy flying so um so all i just just um you know what what can you really I, i've even considered up, upgrading or upsizing my my canopy uh just because i haven't flown in so long i'm not sure that um going back to like a 130 at my weight is such a good idea right out the gate. Even though I'm pretty sure I could outrun a landing if I had to, mm-hmm. but I don't like dealing, you know, I don't like dealing with pretty sure's, mm-hmm. you know, I like I like certainty in is certain in these sports in, in particular. Um, so yeah, a few things it's still sort of sort out, mm-hmm. but I think it sounds smart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Randy, um, when people listen to this, you know, who are not involved in base jumping, they probably think, gosh, why is this guy still wishing to jump? <laughs> so uh, could you explain what is your drive, the motivation? What is in your heart that really tells you, yeah, I want to go up to the exit again. I want to do this again. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a tough one to answer because I, I don't think there's... Um, 
I read I read something the other day that I was like, oh, he basically just explained base jumping, only not like um, how did that? It was like um, it was in an Alan Watts book. When I uh, hear, I found it. Sorry, um, when purpose has been used to achieve purposelessness, the thing has been grasped. If that makes any sense. So it's like it's not really about like like when you do something because you love it then you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and yeah. like I, I, I found skydiving and base jumping on a, skydiving on accident and it totally just led to base jumping. And um, so I don't, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's, it, I don't know. I, I don't usually like I, when someone tells me they're like an ultra marathon runner or they do something that I have zero desire to do, um, you know, climb the seven summits, perhaps. Um, I don't, I don't typically ask them why they want to do that. Like, uh, that's, that's not really in my, uh, thought process. It's like, that's okay. That's what drives them. Cool. And what, what, what else, uh, about that or what do they have to do in order to achieve that? And like, what are the, those, those are sort of, that's the direction my mind goes. So it's not like why, you know, it's like, why does a fish swim? It's a fish, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So it's deep in your heart. It's uh, about, uh, yeah, experiencing uh, what you experience with uh, doing mm-hmm. something, right? Yeah. Uh, and how do you differentiate um, between, you know, how do you know it's the sport and it's not the community? You know what I mean? Yeah. The, um, so they're, they're closely linked, but I, I find uh, there are a lot of um, similarities between uh, you know, skydivers, base jumpers, mountain climbers, surfers, uh, people that enjoy being in nature and, uh, pursuing the, uh, the highest level of whatever activity they're doing. And, and because then that usually comes with a flow state or some kind of extreme focus. Um, and, and so I think the, the people that do those things are very similar, um, And so I, you know, even if I wasn't, let's say I I stumbled my way into rock climbing or mountain climbing instead of base jumping, like I I think it's a, um, there, there, there's a, there's a similarity there, you know, so maybe it is to some degree community, but I think it's, it's, uh, also sort of a, maybe not a personality type, but there's certainly something that drives all of us to do those things. Mm, Um, yeah, yeah. I just had a question on my mind. No, I lost it. Oh, no, I got it back. Okay. <laughs> um, in the media, um, the base jumpers are, you know, they are put out there like thrill seekers and uh, stupid people who throw themselves down the mountain. Um, how do you think about that? And uh, why do you think um, in the media it's put in, in that bad, bad way? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's an easy... Uh it's an easy generic story to tell and, and it, it gets your attention and then we move on, you know, Oh, look at this crazy thing and then move on to the next segment of our TV show or whatever. Um, and in the end, just, they just, there isn't a lot of research. Like they're not doing a lot of research on that, but, but the media is a, you know, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. I'm not, I'm, you know, I have, you know, uh, Instagram and a Facebook page, uh, 
if anyone ever wants to get a hold of me, you're better off just shooting a DM to my Instagram because I almost never check the email. I almost never check the Facebook. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I also don't post as very often. So sorry. Um, but um, it's tricky because uh, if you're going to do that full time, as a jumper and not do it in such a manner as like, say it being a tandem instructor or something that it does have regular work to it. Um, you know, if you're going to do some stuff like the Red Bull air force, you have to be in the media and you have to get, draw that attention. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into developing those, those, um, events and, you know, the insurances and the, uh, organization and, you know, trying to time good weather, uh, all, all sorts of things that go into it. And then you want people to watch and you want people to share your stuff, but you also want them to, you, you want to retain the rights to that, uh, that media to some degree, or at least be, it, it, it's, it's real touchy because a lot of people that they want thousands and thousands of followers and want to be that viral video are also not getting paid for that that viral footage, like once it gets out there and gets shared about. So it's, uh, media is just tricky all around. Um, but I think in general, you know, it's just like the, the news typically is like, you want to scare people into whatever's going on. Uh, scaring people gets them to watch more, more so than something happy and fun or, you know, um, so I, I think using that shock, uh, factor is, is, it's just easier and it gets, it's, gets views faster. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Because there are other sports out there. They're also risky and uh, there's no doubt uh, base jumping is uh, really dangerous. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but there are other sports uh, which are in the same range, I would say. And, um, you know, it's uh, calculating risk. Mm -hmm. um, well, think about like racing. Like if you see like, Oh, there's, a race going to be on in a little bit. It's usually a crash that they show in conjunction with that, you know, the race footage or, um, hockey. It's like, Oh, you see two guys punching each other in the face. Even that only happens for like two seconds out of the entire match, but you know, but it's what gets, what makes it onto the screen. So you want, it's that, that shock factor, I think is what, uh, what gets attention. Yeah, you're right. But then I also think there are other sports like Formula One, you know, like in the past when they had the old cars, they had really harsh crashes, and uh, they really thought about, um, you know, how, how, how they can make the sport much safer. And nowadays it's uh, still a very dangerous sport, of course, but uh, there's so much um, more security for the driver. Yeah, and um, it's um, in the media. It's on the on the positive side. People mm -hmm. know it's a dangerous sport, but it's not so. Yeah, it's not. They don't put such um, uh, black light on it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, and it's crossed over into that that uh, professional realm of where I, I feel like if it, being a uh, race car driver is. You know, you tell someone you're a professional race car driver. It's like, oh, can you hear that? The first part of professional race car driver. Like you don't hear that as often as like, oh, I'm a professional skydiver or I'm a professional base, base jumper. Like you just don't hear that as often. And so it's just not, you know, if you think about a hundred years ago, like standing on a, a wooden plank and trying to, you know, ride a wave that was crazy. Or I, I don't know, skiing has been around for a minute. Uh, at this point, anyone can buy two sticks, put them on their feet and bomb down a hill. Anyone can do it. That's not like, it's just, but not anyone. No, I should take that back. Anyone can base jump and skydive, but 
it hasn't become a commonly ex- accepted um, yeah. idea that, that anyone can skydive and base jump. You know, why do you think it, it is that way? Uh, you know, I think it's going to take time. We're we're still the new kids on the block when it comes to extreme sports, um, and it's it's an expensive sport to break into, and it takes a lot of work. So I think those are those those factors will make it uh, take longer. Um, you know, to be a commonly accepted uh, activity. Mm. Yeah. 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 You said a magic work uh, take longer. Um, a lot of people see it maybe in the YouTube videos and they think, you know, I'm also working on the um, drop zone and uh, very often we have new students and they say, yeah, I'm going to be the base jumper. This is why I would do this course here. <laughs> and we go, all right, you know, you have plans, but they will take you a few years. <laughs> so um, what do you think about um you know, our community now, um, you know, people see something on the media, in the YouTube, uh, whatever, and you get the impression, oh, that's easy. I'm going to do this next week. <laughs> so uh, what do you think about that? Is that dangerous in the sport? Or? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, because because you can do a lot of almost like route reconnaissance for um, big wingsuit jumps just because there's so much YouTube video on on certain lines that, that you know you can you can more or less i mean you shouldn't but you can at least think that oh i already know how to do this because i've watched it on youtube a million times and that that certainly there's a dangerous factor to that um people talk about oh well it's a minimum of 300 skydives before i should base jump or it's a minimum of this many skydives before i should wear a wingsuit but what people aren't thinking about is the emphasis on the minimum It's the minimum if you're the best at what you're doing. And it's unfortunately, we're not all the best, you know. Um, and I, I can, I'm, I'm looking at my own camera as I say that because I, I know there are things that I definitely rushed uh, with regard to, to these sports. And I've been fortunate to, uh, I wouldn't say get away with it. I've certainly, certainly paid a few prices, but, um, but I've, I've been able to learn from it. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's really important to like take your time, um, with these things and, and know with beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you're doing is right because the, the ego has a funny way of getting in there and being like, Oh, I can do this. Oh, I, you know, what's next I can do this, you know? And well, if he can do it, why can't I? And it's like, Oh, but like when you compare yourself to others, you're you're getting into a dangerous place you know because because you're not them you don't un know all of the things that they've put in sometimes and sometimes like we had a guy uh um uh, i'm not sure i should use his name anyways first time in the valley uh the and it's actually bernadette who used to work uh, at the horner asked us she was like hey um would you guys mind like keeping an eye on this dude um, and, uh, and then I was like, wait, what Bert Bert's asking me to keep an eye on somebody. This is bad. Like, <laughs> like who am I to be, who am I to be watching out for people? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, we took him around to a few jumps and he was slaying it. Like he was out tracking us. And I mean, we're terrible trackers for a lot of reasons. Didn't know he was a tunnel rat tunnel tracker, like, uh, had amazing awareness for his body. And so like, once he got into the air, it was like, Oh, I've been here before. I know what I'm doing. And like, we were all watching footage and he was like, wow, you guys are like 
so close to the wall. <laughs> we're like, yeah, dude, sorry, we're not tunnel rats, <laughs> you know, like, but, uh, but at face value, I was like, who is this, you know, but then as you get to know him, you're like, oh, he's done some things like the other things that apply. So, you know, you just got to be careful when you, when it comes to like comparing, uh, comparing yourself to others and just saying, well, they did it in 300 jumps. So I should be able to, too, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, uh, it gets a little, yeah, a little dangerous. I think so too. Yeah. And a lot of factors are playing in, uh, you are not knowing about yet. Um, you know, like flying around a cliff, you don't see the landing yet. It does something mentally to you, you know, maybe, uh, you have winds there and, uh, you don't really know if you have headwind, if you can reach the landing and it's not that you can land everywhere because, you know, if you jump in Italy, maybe you have all the wine yards with the metal thingies, you know, and you cannot land there. Otherwise, you get caught caught uh, with these metal thingies so this does something mentally to you on the exit you know when you know i have to fly this distance and if not then i'm gonna get hurt and really bad hurt so i i I could go two directions on that comment uh italy blind curves are three really and and not knowing where you're gonna land um but uh yeah so it's i'll try and combine them paganella have you done paganella and uh not yet it's uh I'm, it, I'm really, it, I really have great respect for that jump. It's a fun one. I've done it twice. Uh, first one wasn't so great. Um, but, uh, so I was, uh, the first, we'll talk about the first one. Um, I, I was the second, no, I was the, I was the last to go. Um, I did not have a phone that worked in Italy at the time. Um, a little bit of weird winds. Um, and I think that those are the main factors. So, so everybody else goes, I go last, I'm flying super flat. I was basically just laying in my wingsuit and, uh, um, I didn't have it tipped over at all. And, um, I realized like, I'm not like, I'm supposed to be hitting that point. I am nowhere near that. Like it, the nice thing about Paganella is you can bail out to the right at any time. Basically, if, if you're not hitting your, um, if you're not, if you're not performing, frankly. And, um, so I bailed out to the right and, uh, uh, made it to a safe opening spot, opened, landed next to a vineyard on a little walkway. Um, but you know, when, when you fly wingsuits, you don't always know exactly where you're going to land. So it pays to be good at accuracy. Um, but, uh, uh, so it took me about an hour to walk back to where the, the church where you're supposed to land. And, um, we had a rule that if anybody doesn't show up, then you wait an hour. If they're not there, then we, then we start calling emergency services. And in this case, uh, a couple of people were going to go back up to the top and then hike back down and see if maybe I just decided not to jump. And then, uh, and then they were going to call uh, the emergency services. So here I come, la da But I knew for that whole hour, because we had a plan, I knew like, oh, they think I'm dead, which is a terrible feeling when, when you know that you put that stress on your friends. Um, but, uh, you know, I show up and they're like all relieved. So they were like, yeah, we were about to start, you know, calling the services um, uh, to, to come find you. But uh, yeah, so that was, that was Paganella. But, but, that had to do with the vineyards, uh, not knowing where you're going to land. Sorry, I think I kept that one on track. <laughs> yeah, you have but, tricky winds and you have to land on a very yeah. small drive, you know. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> have, have you done... <laughs> I, 
Have you done milk stool? I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Milk stool. Okay. That's another one where you have to fly around a corner. And if you're not careful, like you can fly around and bam, get hit with some wind. And then, then you have to be prepared to land somewhere else. Um, but those are always considerations. Um, even what time of day it is can impact your flight. You know, if you're, if you're flying in, in, in sunlight versus flying into a shadow, those are things you got to think about. Um, because uh, you're not going to get as much performance in colder air. And so if you're, if you're flying with a tighter margin, you know, closer to the ground, then that's, that's uh, something I, I typically don't do. I typically don't fly too close to the ground. It's not a, it's yeah. Not a good idea. <laughs> no, it's killed too many of my friends. So it's like, oh, I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. The longer you're on the sport, the more uh, friends you lose, the mm -hmm. closer it comes. No. Mm. How do you um, how do you deal with that when very close friends die? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, that's real tough, and it it's uh, it's one of those things. I don't think it ever. Uh, you know, they say time heals all wounds, and it's like mm -hmm. time just makes it like not even easier to deal with the wounds. I mean, there's some that just they they still they still hurt, um, but it's you know, it's like, there's a, there's a dark side to this beautiful sport because you, you, you will see the biggest smiles and the brightest faces and the, the, some of the most fun I think is that's humanly possible, but you're also accepting the ultimate risk, you know, when you do it. And so, so you can't, you can't have the, those beautiful, fun, awesome moments without having those dark moments. I mean, I think it was, I think I heard someone say, it was like, yeah, enjoy base jumping for about two years and then your friends are going to start dying. And I was just like, Oh, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of dark. Yeah. Yeah, he was right. Uh, but, uh, but it doesn't make it any less beautiful, but you just can't have that. Uh, you can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but that makes those, those fun times that we have even, even more beautiful, I, I think. So it's like, I, I just, um, with, with the, you know, and I can't, and the sad thing is I can't even name them all off the top of my head. Like I would have to like go through the fatality list and be like, bing, 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 bing. Like, but, um, uh, yeah, you just, uh, I just try and think about the good times that we had. I mean, and may, maybe I'm going a little crazy, but I'll have conversations with them in my head almost. It's like, like, uh, they're time it's weird. Like where I'll be like, oh, they would have, they would have liked this moment, but but I tell you what, trying to explain COVID to, to some of my dead friends, I'm not even sure how, I'd do, how would you even explain it? You know, like this is, it's such a weird time now, but. Yeah, you're um, right. But you know, I, I really, um, I think that's a very neat thing to do because it shows that your friends uh, keep living further in your heart. You mm -hmm. know, you, you still have them in, in your heart. You keep thinking of them and, you know, having these conversations, I think that's very sweet. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There's a, a, a buddy of mine, Ben gave me a, it's a poem and I can't remember. I didn't, wasn't, wasn't prepared. I mean, I was prepared to talk about anything, you know, I, I told you that before this, but uh, the, um, this, it's a really good poem, but it basically talks about your dead friends basically being in the next room. It's like, I can't see them, but I know they're there, you know? Yeah. So they're, it's like, they're just in the next room, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I also like in the sport? It's um, 
you know, there is no shame or there is no hiding of feelings. And uh, it's a very, very honest sport. And this is why I really like to be with my friends and share that special time. You already named it. It's so special. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can talk about your worries. You talk about your fears very openly and no one will say, oh, what is this? You know, come on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't think that way. Or, you know, you, you take it too hard, whatever. So uh, how, how do you think about that? Um, you know, a lot of guys are, you know, there are some guys who are really tough and they don't show feelings. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Um, are guys sometimes too masculine for showing feelings and emotions and also their vulnerability? Yeah, you know, that's... Uh, 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 so even going back to the... Uh, I made a joke at the beginning about how the 28, I don't even know if we were recording it, but the, the 28 year old me would, would probably want to punch the 38 year old version of me. because I'm all like hipstered out now and like, uh, much more, um, uh, willing to share my, my, how I feel about things. But, uh, yeah, I, I think with, with, uh, with base jumping, you get the purest version of me, you know, cause I, like you said, it's, I'm, I'm uh, much more likely to be brutally honest, um, you know, whether it's in, in good and bad, I will, I, you're getting an honest version of me. I'm not going to pull my punches. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I think, I think base brings that out in people. Um, you know, cause I, I spent, I was in the military, I was in the Marine Corps for a while. And, um, you know, with, with that sort of training, like I feel like I spent most of my late teens and most of my, and my twenties building this hard shell, like, uh, trying to like be, be tough, be hard, you know, make sure, you know, for your, do it for your men, that kind of thing. But, but the, the actual, like the real tough guys know how to like express themselves and know how to like, um, relate to their, to, to the people around them. Um, and even if they can't relate and they can just listen, you know, I think that's, that's what, that's a real tough guy. But, um, uh, yeah. And I, I think the, I think the base is, is, generally speaking if you've been in the sport for a few years you 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 kind of maybe shed some of that i, I think it's been great for me as far as like the healing of, of of you know maybe maybe losing some of that armor that i spent so much time like building up i think so too because uh you know i i can see it on some people you know they come and they, they have this hard shell and they of course they have fear but they don't want to show it because they want to be cool or maybe you know they don't feel comfortable with the people around them and they don't they don't feel comfortable to show their emotions yet but i think the longer you are in the sport the the more honest you become because you really understand what it means to step over the line mm -hmm. i think you understand that's what I think. Uh, the longer you are in base jumping, the more you understand what the sport is. Of course, you can watch movies and stuff like that and have jumpers who keep telling you about the sport, but uh, you really understand what it is when you do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you also don't know um, if, you know, when say for me anyways, be Sunday afternoon, louder, Bruno, uh, it's time to go home. I hug everybody because you just don't know if that's the last time you're going to see him. And, uh, and so that with, and that, that also helps, uh, unfortunately when it, when it does happen, because I can be like, ah, oh, no, I remember 
exactly where we were the last time I saw him, mm-hmm. gave him a big old hug. And, uh, you know, we were super stoked to see each other. And it was just one of those things where it's like, Oh, I, you know, I gotta go, but I'm happy to see you hug. All right. See you next time. Well, I didn't know that that there wasn't going to be a next time, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, so it's, but it, but it, you know, speaking of vulnerability, it was funny because, you know, with, with my podcast, I'm typically the one asking the questions and it seemed like it was like, no, like I absolutely, A, I have to say yes, because you're a jumper, we're friends. Um, but B, I, for all the people that have said yes to me, it's like, well, now I, now I'm experiencing that vulnerability of, uh, you know, sharing, sharing your, uh, uh, you know, the, the guns turned on me, so to speak uh, right now. So it's, uh, so I'm just trying to, I'm thinking about a lot of people that on the show that were like, Oh, I'm not sure I want to do that, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but they, but they did it, you know? So, yeah. Uh-huh. So if any of those people hear this, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Randy, what uh, what tips can you give uh, to the listeners regarding the sport? Yeah, um, I would say listen, ask questions, and this this goes for I mean all levels of the sport. You know, it's you're you're never too smart to listen or ask questions, right? I mean, um, yeah, and pay attention and try not to compare yourself to others. I'd say those are big ones. Um, and take your time, take time and enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> it's like, cause you can be, it's like, you can, you can have a, you can have a long career or a fast career, you know? And it's like, um, there's very few that can do both. Like, um, so, you know, just take your time. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, your mantra because I was asking you before, um, do you have like a Maxime which represents your mindset and uh, would you like to share your mantra? Yeah. Um, uh, comparison is the death of joy. It's like when, you, when you start looking at where, what other people have achieved and what they're doing and then comparing it to where you're at, it's, it's an instant, like, it's just gonna, nothing good comes from that. I mean, like I have people that I, I've sort of tried to model my, my jumping career after in a lot of ways, like, cause I respect what they've done and I value the, like sort of their, their habits and the way they, uh, they carry themselves, but I'm not trying to like break records or, or, or uh, do more than they did. I'm just trying to do my thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there are people you can look up to uh, in, and the, and people you can talk to that, that will help you achieve things you want to do. But being like, well, why wasn't I invited to that event when I have so much more jumps or da, 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 you know, like that? That's just a dangerous road to go down. So, so comparison is the death of joy. And I have to remind myself that all the time, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think we all have to, because there are always moments when we look to other people and we, we start thinking, Oh, Hmm. maybe I would like to have this too, or I would like to be there too. So how can I do this? You know, I think um, it's uh, human, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it pops up once in a while, but uh, I think it's very important to watch yourself, to realize what you're doing. And sure. to stop this, you know? Yeah. Well, and you see that with people on like, they got, I've got two weeks to, for this base trip. 
you know, I'm, I want to hit this, 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 and this. And, you know, and they think, well, I did via Ferrata or excuse me, like I did Lamus or I did one of these and now I'm ready to go down to ultimate. And if I did find an ultimate, then I'm ready to do that. And it's like, just because somebody else did that doesn't mean you're ready. Like, let's look at some footage. Let's see how you did on that. And, but then again, I'm also not the base police. That's, that's one of the beautiful things about it. It's like, I'm, you know, it's a, it's, it's a very uh, self-regulating sport in that regard. Yeah. You're right. But then on the other hand, we are all um, really motivated not to have uh, accidents in this. Right. Sport. Sure. It's, that's a, that's a fine line to, to walk, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not um, that we don't care about you or you, you know, and it's not that we want to be the police, <laughs> the base police yeah. or something, but um, we really want to be the sport safe. And uh, yeah, this is why we like to give tips and uh, help. Yeah. 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 Do you have any more um, tips regarding injuries in the sport? How to recover from that on the mental stage, maybe? Yeah. I mean, if to say uh, don't get hurt is probably the best advice, but okay. how do you say it? Honestly, yeah. that's, that's, you know, you can't um, predict that, but uh take your time. Um, and I, I, I had to find a lot of distractions. I had to distract myself from, from jumping. because I was just so immersed in it. Um, I had a hard time. Like I couldn't go to a lot of the, uh, Instagram pages. I, I actually started a private, uh, Instagram account so that I could kind of, uh, shelter myself from, from a lot of that while I was recovering. Cause it was, um, when I broke my left leg the first time, um, I was, I was back in, I mean, I, I was 27, 28. I was, um, I was still very hungry. I, I think it was, it was like my 30th or my 33rd base jump, something like that. And I was back under a canopy in a few months. I mean, it, and it was a pretty minor break, but, um, so I would say, take your time, you know, uh, if you get injured, focus on recovery because like the mountains aren't going anywhere buildings if buildings are your jam they're not going anywhere um unless you're jumping in america uh, where most things are not legal um everything's it'll be there the, all, the only thing you can do is improve your chances of not getting hurt and, and that's by taking care of yourself and um and, and focusing on the recovery mm. yeah yeah and i have one more last question sure <laughs> Randy, um, all these experiences you get in the sport, within the sport, um, how do they help you in, in your real life, in your everyday life? Well, I tell you what, uh, going, to, <laughs> going to work on Monday after like a, a big weekend of jumping and seeing friends and everything, it's so refreshing. It, 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 it makes me better uh, in other aspects of my life. Um, and it also, if, if I'm maybe in a meeting or something that I'm not enjoying a whole lot. I, uh, I daydream about base or I'm thinking, Oh, well, this weekend it's coming, you know, it's, uh, so, to, so, so that it has been a bit of a challenge, you know, with, with COVID and everything, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, it, it does, it, it makes me a better person, um, uh, in, in other, other facets of my life. Mm. And is there anything you learn through the sport which helps you in your work life, your everyday life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say like I focusing on my breathing when uh, 
when I'm because I typically before a bass jump, I'll spend a minute or two just just kind of like geared up, thinking about the jump, thinking about what I have to do, maybe doing a couple stretches just to like make sure everything's limber. So I don't, I couldn't imagine like getting a cramp mid flight or something that um, sounds terrible. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. And so, so in those high stress moments or maybe when you're on the opposite end of a position at work with, and you know, focusing on that breathing might help me to, uh, dial things back a little bit, you know, and, and understand this doesn't really matter that much. It's okay. But take a deep breath. We're going to get past this, you know? So, so yeah, I think that's nice. Cool. Great. Well, if, if you don't mind, I had a few questions for you since this is going to be a, a, a dual uh, podcast and I, I wasn't sure um, so it didn't, so Rob, uh, we just talked to Rob Heron, uh, a couple weeks ago and actually a couple weeks, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Anyways, doesn't matter. I didn't get a chance to bring out the guaranteed questions. Uh, cause he was, uh, he was, he was really fun to, to talk to and, and on a roll. So I didn't want to disrupt it, but, um, but Katya, what is your favorite book and why? Yeah. Do you know what? I don't really have a favorite book. I, I really don't. I uh, read a lot of different literature literature uh, within my uh, spectrum. You know, I'm a, a mental trainer. I work with athletes and also executives. And I do a lot of education. Um, over the past years, I'm constantly in, in education and I do read a lot of books. Um, about um, stress prevention, sports, um, psychology, mindfulness. Um, yeah, that's what I'm reading. Do you have any recommendations um, on, say, something in that field? field? Well, uh, yeah, in German. Would that help? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have one here. It's called the uh, Praxis der Sportpsychologie. It's uh, from uh, Jürgen Beckmann. He's a sports psychologist. He's a, a pretty well known um, in Germany. And yeah, he had some books out, this one and some other books. So he's talking about uh, different methods uh, and different subjects uh, within the sports psychology. Um, this is something I could really recommend. And uh, I'm also reading a lot about um, how to work with your emotions because um, mental training, of course, is, um, you know, being aware, being in the moment and also being aware uh, what you think and what your feelings are and how you can transform this. So there are different books um, I could recommend. Um, maybe also something like this here, The New Medicine of Emotions which is from uh, David uh, Servan Schreiber. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, I have a whole bunch of books here. <laughs> so, yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, so uh, what sort of podcasts do you listen to? Or do you have any recommendations? Yeah. To be honest, um, I'm not listening to so many podcasts because I'm, I'm quite busy uh, with my stuff. Um, 
I, I have a podcast, your podcast, of course, and the Base Life podcast I can recommend. <laughs> <laughs> and also um, there's another sports uh, podcast, uh, which is really nice. It's called the Mind Athlete. It's the uh, Leichtathletic uh, podcast. And uh, it's Benjamin Bremer. He talks to different athletes and also trainers from all disciplines uh, within the German scene. So he has a, a very wide variety of athletes. And uh, that's a really nice one. I can recommend that. Very cool. Yeah. So if you're interested in, in sports and Leichtathletik, then uh, that's the podcast for you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, tell me, uh, have you been injured? What's your history of injury? All right. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> Okay, I have to say I'm injury-free in skydiving and also base jumping. Yippee, yay, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yes, I do have some injuries. And uh, it started when I was young. Um, I was jumping with my bike. You know, I had some friends. They had, like, the BMX bikes. And they were jumping ramps. And, uh, you know, I came up with my regular girl's bike. And they said, hey, come on, jump some ramp with us. You know, and for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I go, you know, I, <laughs> you know, for me, it was the first time that I saw it. And uh, so I watched them for a while and uh, saw them jumping. And it, to me, it looked really fun. So um, I started to line up with my bike <laughs> and the ground was, um, you know, there were sand on the ground. So I did fine on the jumping, but on the landing because of all the sand and I didn't have the right wheels, you know, I got, uh, um, it slipped Yeah. and I couldn't hold my weight. So oh, I yeah. fell off and I broke my thumb. Ah, yeah. Sorry. That's, that's something. And uh, I had another one. Um, I, I went to school in the U.S. for one year. I did a high school year in the, in the U.S. in Oregon. And uh, I had, in that family, they gave me a horse because at that time I was really into horseback riding and uh, in Germany. So when I came to the U.S., um, they had this, this really nice horse, but he was very nervous. And this one day I was riding him and um, he was, uh, how do you say that? I forgot how to call this. When he's mm -hmm. just running off. Okay. Running off with me. And he was, uh, we had filbert trees at, at the end of the river road. And he was so, you know, he was so intention. He went into the filbert trees. And uh, so I had to duck down and uh, one of the branches hit me and actually hit me off the horse. Oh, wow. My foot was still in the, in the, uh, what's it called again? The you stirrup. Know, yeah. In the, yeah. In the stirrup. Yeah. So the horse dragged me until I hit a tree. Oh. Really? It, it was, oh, shit. Randy, I tell you. So I hit the tree with my rib cage. So I broke, I broke a rib. Yeah, that was uh, another one, which wasn't really funny. May I tell you a story that related yeah. to that? So yeah. <laughs> uh, while I was still in the Marine Corps, like they were, they were the ones that were deciding if I could jump or not when I broke my back. Um, so uh, that while I was waiting to see if they were going to approve this activity, a, uh, a Marine took some girl uh, on a horse riding date. 
and the horse knocked him off the he he fell off the horse broke all the ribs on one side and like two ribs on the other side collapsed his lung he was in the hospital for like two weeks surgeries and i was just over here like yeah horses have a vote like they have brains like gravity is constant like i'm the one you have to worry about i just have to make good decisions you know and jump in good conditions and and it might be okay, but horses, you never know, you know? And so, and they, then they immediately approved me to, uh, to start base jumping. <laughs> so, so I kind of owed, owed that guy. A thank you. I think, um, but yeah, horses, I, they, you know, any, I always th- thought bull riding was, would be terrifying. I've never done that. I think it's, I'm not sure that's on the list. Have you found that as you get older, you want like less, there are fewer things you want to do, like, like dangerous things, or is that, yeah, of course. You know, when you're younger, you have more the guys, no, not the girls, but the guys, they have more testosterone, you know, and they are really, you know, they don't care. They just go for it. And uh, of course, the older you get, and it's the same with the, with the women's, of course, you know, um, the more you, you understand what you're doing and uh, the more stressful things become. You know? And uh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. I think it's for the, everyone the same. And uh, it's, it probably depends on your character and what you have done in your life and also what would you like to achieve more and how adventurous you are. So the levels can vary from mm-hmm. different sorts, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the things with immediate injury at risk are the ones that I'm like less. I used to think riding a bull would be a lot of fun. I always wanted to try it. Now I'm thinking about it like, nah, I'm good. You know, like I don't. I, I'm not that interested anymore. Mm. Um, but that's fine. I but, mean, it's okay. yeah. you're not missing out on something. <laughs> no, I also have no training in riding a bull. I have a lot of training in sky sports, you know? And yeah. so, but anyone can go down a hill with two sticks strapped to their feet with no training. And that's, mm. that's a perfectly acceptable activity, but I don't have a whole lot of desire to do that either. Cause I haven't been trained in it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> But you could you could go on an electric ball. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've done that. Yeah, that's yeah that's, fun. I like that. Yeah, that's that's hard too, and so it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean the first one, two, three stages, you know, they're fine, yeah. but then <laughs> no, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, cool. and I had more accidents. Um, actually, I had a had a um, really harsh uh, car accident, and the, in that car accident, I really. Um, I bruised my kidneys. I had inside bleedings, and uh, because of that, I I had a lot of pain, and I couldn't walk for a few weeks. I had to recover and really go slow on that. And in that same accident, I also, yeah, I also broke my um, my right uh, shoulder. It's. Oh, wow. uh, uh, the bone, I broke the bone right underneath the joint. So they had to um, recover that. And uh, because of that accident over the years, I had arthrosis, arthritis. Mm-hmm. Arthritis. Arthritis, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, no, no. Don't apologize. <laughs> don't yeah. ask me what that is in German. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, arthrose. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really had to... Um, take care had to take care of this um in 2014 the shoulder was in, inflamed i had a lot of inflammation in the shoulder so they gave me some shots and then this one day you know this uh, doctor told me hey katya we really have to um replace uh that shoulder and for me it was a shock because i had 
in the foreplay, I didn't really understand what that means. You know, I thought, okay, I get some shots. Yeah, I do some uh, uh, physiotherapy and then everything will be okay. But it became worse and worse. So um, they actually planned on doing a, a full joint replacement. Wow. Yes. And Randy, I tell you, I cried for days and I was totally under shock because I felt like I'm losing everything. I'm losing my um, sky sport activity. I'm losing base jumping. What does that mean? Getting a joint, you know, a new joint. Um, I didn't know. I had to Google, you know, I was mm -hmm. Googling everything and so, yeah, I did some um, conservative stuff to, you know, to keep it up. But um, very fast, I understood mm -mm, I really have to go for the operation. So I found a specialist here in the Charité and uh, we did that. And uh, when I woke up after the, the operation, the doctor came um, to my place and he said, congratulations, we didn't do a full joint, we just did a half joint. So they, they took um, a part of the bone off and they did a replacement with a titan. So um, for me, this was the first sign, oh, Katya, now, you know, it's not so bad. And this um, gave me a really, really big uh, motivation boost. And um, yeah, from that on, I had a good mindset uh, with that operation. So they also cut off the, the ligament of the uh, bicep, the long uh, bicep ligament. So my arm was in the cast for seven weeks. And Randy, after I took off the cast, I was stiff. Yeah. My shoulder was mm. here. My, even my arm with my elbow was completely stiff. And I stood naked in front of the mirror. And I looked at my mirror picture and I said, all right, Katya, two options. Either you stay like this and you will be crippled or you're going to work hard and you, you're going to fix this. And uh, yeah, that's what I did. And nowadays everything is fine. I can jump, you know, four months after the operation, I started jumping again, skydiving. Oh, wow. Nice. Of course, I didn't have the whole range, but it was possible. And, uh, and really soon after that, um, I jumped uh, base again, but I had to change from uh, right-hand pull to left-hand pull. Wow. So did you keep to, it that way or did you, did you go back or? No, you... I didn't go back because um, I thought, um, you know, since I relearned on the left side, why should I go back to the right? Since my left arm is the stronger one. I could, no, I could, you know, I could pull with right again, mm -hmm. but I thought it's smarter to stay on, on left. Yeah. Wow. Cool. I didn't realize you had a, your left-hand system. That's cool. Yeah. You know, sometimes people are standing on the exit with me. It's like, Oh, Oh, you're left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I figured I would have noticed that. Cause I, I know we've definitely done a few jumps together. But... No, we met in the valley, but uh, mm -hmm. no. Mm -mm. no. So mm -hmm. this is something we have to plan on. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Huh. And I got another one. <laughs> Hand wrist. <laughs> Awesome, nice. right hand side. Yeah. The, the radial and ulnar? Huh? Radial and ulnar, I believe is the, it, these it, two bones. Well, actually, I have um, no problems now. Yeah. And it's the stupidest, stupidest um, accident I had. 
I was uh, sitting on a horse. Actually, I was, um, you know, in the past I was training uh, racehorses. And so I visited my old friend and she asked me, hey, Katya, I need to pick up some horses from the owner. Uh, would you like to come with me and we can go um, horseback riding out in the woods and I said oh yes I would like to come so we did that and uh, the owner she is really really soft with her horses and uh, so she gave us the horses to ride outdoors and she has super big paddies uh, underneath the saddle and it, it's uh, made from lamp lambskin and it's really slippery so when I got on the horse, she was holding the stirrup on the other side so I could go on the horse, hop on the course. And I had to um, uh, fasten the, the belt. Um, how do you say it again? Which goes underneath the, oh, you know, I forgot what's it called. Um, I, I'm not an equestrian. The, I don't, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the saddle was still loose and I had to make it um, uh, fa um, tighter. And in that process, I was slipping off the horse because of the soft padding. And uh, I couldn't jump off because my feet on, the, on this one side was still in the stirrup. And I was falling on the asphalt. And it, oh, I hurt no. really bad my wrist. So I, you know, I looked at my arm and I said to my girlfriend, oh, no, my arm is broken. My hand wrist is broken. You know, it, it was like S-shaped. Uh, so yeah you knew immediately yeah i knew worst. immediately yeah. so they had to take care of this yeah but mm. I, it recovered i have no problems with that <laughs> nice. yeah so yeah very cool that's my history <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that that's a that's a that's a quite the list oh. but, uh, so um so if you could do one more jump with someone on the BFL, who would it be? And for those that aren't familiar, that's the base fatality list. Right. Mm. Yeah, I um, I would like to jump with Uli Bambach. Do you know him? I I, I met Uli. Which is this the Uli um, that flew through the hole? That Uli or the other Uli? There's no, a, no, not that Uli. The other okay. one. I I don't think I I knew uh, Uli Wambach. Yeah, it was a very big loss for the German uh, community. He um, he was a great super person. He was long in the sport, in the skydive sport, and uh, also base. And he was stopping for a few years and then starting again. He also had an acro team with, um, with Jukka Biel, and they uh, both jumped together, base together. And yeah, at that time... Uh, when he came back into the base for it, um, I had my shoulder thing and uh, we said, you know, once everything is recovered, we're going to do wingsuit jumping, you know, wingsuit jump again uh, together. And uh, yeah, we could never do that because he, he was dying. Sorry. At that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And this is a tough question. I'm not even sure I like this question. I, I keep telling myself, I keep going back and forth on whether I'm going to keep it. Cause yeah. it's when, you know, as when you know, a lot of dead people, it's really hard to classify that question. You know, it's like, uh, how do you rank one person over another? Cause they're all beautiful in their own right. 
I, I don't um, really feel it as ranking. And, you know, I think, of course, you know, so many people are dying in the sport and we have talked about it before. So, you know, it's something which is always there. You know, we mm -hmm. know what the sport is and uh, death is jumping with us. And uh, for me also nowadays, when I think about Uli, yes, it's very sad that he's not here anymore. Um, but it's also nice to, to recall moments and to think about him. You know, he's still mm -hmm. in our hearts and we still talk about him. And I think also the family and friends, uh, they would appreciate to hear that we still think about him and keep telling stories about him and laughing mm -hmm. about, you know, funny moments because that's uh, what keeps him alive. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think this question is okay to ask. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So from, this is from Neil Jarvis. Um, and so I think I explained this before. So, uh, he didn't know who he was asking this question to it's, it's for the next guest, so to speak, you know? Um, and, uh, he, he made an assumption that I'd talk to a base jumper, but, uh, if you weren't base jumping, so let's assume you couldn't base jump for whatever reason, what would you be doing as a substitute? And the reason I ask that is because I'm at the end of my base career. I'm not at the midpoint. I'm not at the start. You know, I'm close to wrapping it up. And I'm struggling to find something to fill the gap. And I think, okay, well, I want to see my buddies who live in Europe. I live in New Zealand, the other side of the way, other side of the world. I could come out here and go skiing in the winter. I'd still see them. Or I could learn how to paraglide, and I could still see them. So that's what would sort of fill the gap and still allow you to scratch the itch. Mm. It's a hard one. It's really a hard one because, uh, uh, yeah, I think there is nothing that could replace base jumping. I really think so um, because it gives you so much in um, all kinds of levels of uh, feeling emotions and growing outgrowing yourself and uh, being in the moment and having these extreme moments and um, having this extreme feeling of being alive <laughs> so I think it would be more something um, which is physical and uh, which gives me joy And uh, it would probably be something like um, gymnastics or maybe country, uh, uh, country skiing. I, I would like to do that. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't do it here where I live because I live right. close to Berlin. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think being in the mountains, going hiking, maybe doing something like uh, country skiing or um, snowshoeing, being with animals. Maybe Pilates, yoga, that's probably something I would do then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would like um, downhill skiing, but uh, I haven't done downhill skiing a lot in my life. So that would mean I would fall down a lot and falling on my shoulder. I, it's not really good. Not a good idea. Yeah. 
so that's um not something for me in my life yet yeah yeah so yeah i think that's something i would do probably and you know probably when that moment comes i will think differently i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard to say very cool so do you have a uh, question for whoever i speak to next yeah i have one <laughs> go for it all right um if you could start your life all over again would you do something different and if yes what would it be Ooh. good one i'm uh, i'm i'm ex excited to hear the answer whenever that is I, I don't know who i'm talking to next so i will <laughs> yeah. i'll let you know <laughs> all right yes and, and, and so i actually splice the uh, for the podcast i splice your your voice into the into the recording so mm -hmm. so i'll have neil's in here in a little bit but, yes so. so how do you find your um your interview partners uh, it's usually just targets of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just like right place, right time. I used to try and be really scheduled and have release one episode a week and it just, uh, it became too stressful, uh, with work and other things. And I was, I felt like I was putting a lot of pressure on myself and just, it just became easier to just let it, let it happen when it happens. And like, you know, uh, Rob was in town for some physical therapy and I was like, Hey man, we should... so he came over and we just hung out one evening and, uh, I was like, yeah, we we totally should have done a podcast tonight. So I, I got him to come back, and um, and we we did one uh, before he went back to uh, France. Um, but yeah, usually it's just like um, if I hear somebody's in town or somebody's at you know, uh, if I'm on my way to Switzerland, I hear that so and so is already there. It's like ah, then I ping him, hey, let's do it, let's do a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and I then I understand, yeah, yeah. Like I, I bumped into Joby Ogwin at, uh, I think it was initially at the Horner. He was in there like uh, just having a drink or something. I was like, hey, you don't know me, but I know you. <laughs> do you want to do a podcast? And he, he was totally cool about it. So uh, yeah, that's usually how they how they happen. That's, um, that's a nice way to do it. And I really understand because doing a podcast is a lot of work and uh, you know, combining this with regular work and other stuff you have to do on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a, it's a workload, you know, and keep that up over the years. It's, um, I don't know. It's, it's tough yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Because it's not just the recording. You have to cut it. Or you have to, mm -hmm. you know, do a picture or whatever. So it really eats up some time. Yeah. Ooh, I think I still owe you a picture, don't I? Randy, yes. Did I? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get that. Oh, you're shy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Randy. I'll just send you one from Instagram. I think I've got one on there. That's probably yeah. good enough. Cool. So how are we going to do this uh, with this podcast? Uh, are we going to share on both? Yeah. That, I mean, that's what I was hoping we would do. I would just, uh, and it, it, if you want to, I don't care how we do the final cut. Um, I think I'm recording correctly. So, yeah. um, if, but yeah, um, but I was just going to put, you know, take this and put it on base life and say it was with you and, okay. yeah. um, and the, the mental power podcast. So, yeah. Um, and we are still in the show. So everyone hears now our plans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who's going to cut you or me or 
Uh, I'm indifferent. Uh, so I, I need to put um, Neil's voice in here. So if you want me to do it, if you want it done quickly, I would suggest you do it. But uh, if you're if you're patient, uh, I can do it. Patience. <laughs> okay, cool. I got it. I got it then. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing this, uh, this time with me and uh, you know, turning the gun on me, so to speak. It's a, uh, it's been a growing experience for sure. Cause I'm not, I'm not used to uh, uh, being the, the primary focus. I'm usually you know, pointing it at someone else. So, so thank yeah. you. This has been fun. Yes. For me too. Thank you so much, yeah. and, you know, for your time and, you know what, Randy? Um, I think you deserve all this attention now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have done so much for other people and uh, it's really, really interesting. And uh, I'm sure there is so much more to talk about it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. When, uh, we'll, we'll do another one when we can like uh, maybe meet up at the Horner or something. And, uh, yeah, we will. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And with Brian. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry cool. for not uh, being here. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I hope you have a great Saturday, Katya. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think you do. This has been a Base Life Mental Power Podcast recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. If you want to know more about our guests, just check out the show notes. And if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us, you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com facebook.com backslash the base life and on instagram we're at base dot life all right thanks